Cooking with Chopsticks. The truth about dictatorships. A podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chan. Hello everyone, we're back with Poking with Chopsticks, another episode on how dictatorships work. With me, as always, uh, in Berlin is Xin Li Wen. Hello, Li Wen. How are you doing? Hi, Marcel. I'm fine. And I am very busy right now catching up with what's happening in China. How about uh, you? Yeah, I mean, we, we experienced a party congress that is second to, to none. And it's great of attention from international media, international politics, also, the impact of it uh, was is is, uh, is unique so far for for the for the development of the world. I think you know. I mean, China is the biggest or second biggest um, economy worldwide, and it's uh, it grows, it influence, getting more aggressive uh, in foreign policy. A lot of people listening may have seen the sequence when um, former President Hu Jintao was guided out of the plenum, resistant to leave. And he doesn't know, I mean, he doesn't really know what's going on. It reminded me of, of a real mafia sequence, you know. One family is like shutting down another family. You know, Hu Jintao was a representative of, um, of, the, uh, of the Youth League, very influential uh, faction within the, in the Communist Party. Um, and, used uh, to be influential. Used to be exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Li Keqiang, the, the the current, still current prime minister, and also Wang Yang, member of the standing committee of the Politburo, uh, were the most uh, well recently most powerful members. Hu Jintao was also a representative of this faction, and uh, Li Keqiang, Wang Yang are not even the central committee in the future anymore. And Hu Jintao has been guided from the stage, so the Youth League has been totally blown away but it was like really uh, mafia acting on stage in the making it's very interesting that um uh, that you said you were shocked to to watch it and i was of course impressed to watch it but i mean i know how the party operates and i'm not surprised but what surprised me is that Xi Jinping doesn't really care anymore. He would just display all this in front of the international media's camera to make his point. And um, the interesting thing is that I have some Chinese friends who, are, who normally don't care about politics and they live in Europe. And, and they also said they were shocked by that. And they were terrified. Actually, they were not shocked. They were terrified. Professionals who normally don't care about politics they watched this video circulated on youtube and twitter and they said they were terrified yeah i mean you can see from the faces of these people the 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 uh, sitting at near you know right uh, exactly uh, there and none of them dare to turn their head exactly. even glance at hu jingtao when he passed yes. by Li Keqiang sitting next to Xi Jinping, right? Didn't yeah, even yeah. take a glance, not daring to move his head to the left to see what's going on. Yeah, and not the, and Li Zhanshu helped. Li Zhanshu tried to help uh, Hu Jintao when he stood up, and then the um, Wang Huning uh, he like like Wang touched Huning, him, like sit down, yeah, sit down, right? Wang Huning pulled him yes. down, sit down, sit down, like don't make a you know make a fool of yourself. And when Li Zhanshu uh, sat down, he wiped uh, his elbow, obviously sweating. 
But but do you think Li Jianchu Li Jianchu? I mean, he took away like the red, the, the red the envelope, uh, yeah. envelope in front, yeah. folder yeah. in front of Hu Jintao. So don't yeah. you think that he was involved in all of that? He was, but then he couldn't help himself, I think, at that time. It looks like he couldn't help himself sympathizing with the old guy. He wanted to be polite, at least. Do you think Hu Jintao was completely full of his mind in that moment? He looked like a, like a, like a, I don't know, like an Alzheimer. Yeah, the, there's definitely um, a, the sign of senile, senility. Is there a word like that? Um, but then it's not, if he's completely senile and demented, I don't think he would even appear in front of the camera. They would be, I mean, he would at least take a, you know, kind of pill to, to, to make sure he wouldn't make a fool of it, uh, of himself, right? But if he were allowed to sit in such a central position on the stage, that means his his sanity is he's, not he's, a problem. He's able to control himself so far as the yeah, protocol yeah. needs him to control himself. A, a clear uh, shout out to 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 all Chinese people. Um, all, well, yeah, all Chinese people inside and outside China. Inside that, and outside China. Yeah, yeah. that who is out. Stunning footage of this moment where you can see like like everyone on stage was just frightened or at least like was taking very care of his motions of everything of reactions pretending to not really knowing what's going on because everyone on stage knew exactly what was going on they real they understood that they totally understood that and nobody dared it. and that made it such an such an a mafia style and in, in front of the eyes of the other to frighten them. And normally it was always taking turns. Once it was, uh, it was the youth league, then it was Jiang Zemin faction. Um, so you had this, this balance there and there was, they took turn, right? They took turns in, 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 in having the full power. And then the other one was uh, from the other faction was the prime minister. And now, yeah. What do we have now? Li Wen? Now we have, uh, all the factions uh, under Xi, I think. I mean, given the fact that this is a mafia structure, uh, they are not peaceful bodies. <laughs> they they will compete for their own power as well. And she knows how to play them against each other as well. So in the coming years, what we will see is new factions under Xi fighting for more power, fighting for the favor of Xi and etc. I mean, just in theory, you can delete a faction, but you can, of course, not delete the mindset of these people's, uh, of these people's faction. So you still have the network of this faction working. I would say no. Why? Because once they are out of power, they are out of power. They will have no resources to be to to worth mentioned in the political fight. They will be. Uh, great, uh, controlled to such an extent that they will not be able to mobilize any resources and they will be fearing for their lives and their families' lives. So okay, accepted, I, accepted. No. But, but, but look, yeah. they, have people, they have people backing them up, right? In no, the central committee. not anymore. The moment they lose power, nobody back, back them anymore. This is how mafia works. You have I know, no, no, hang on. But, but, that means that, but that means the people who were beforehand backing them up now are basically they will climbing shift their the, loyalty cl yep. climbing or do you think so i would say maybe they climb in the letter of their faction and they have they have a, a need a demand a desire for power and money as well 
So do yeah, you really they, think so they, they will shift their loyalty? Shift loyalty? They, 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 seek, they seek new protection yeah, inside the system. Okay, well, that means that, that, the, that the Youth League faction is dead for good, basically. It's dead for good. I mean, look at Jiang faction that was basically pushed out also by Youth League as well. I mean, uh, originally they were kind of overlapped, but then gradually, like, who care about Jiang anymore, right? Since he's out of power. You, you cannot possibly imagine anybody mobilizing resources to counter Xi's uh, power without him knowing. I mean, we have artificial intelligence. We have the health code controlling people's movement. We have digital uh, uh, currency. I mean, basically, we are using digital currency in China now. Not we, but people in China. They are using all the transaction movement of big chunk of money is under... Uh, artificial intelligence surveillance. So what could possibly be achieved in the, let's say, 20 years ago, if there were someone who in the system, elite system, wanted to subvert something, uh, does not exist anymore. That's what we are facing. So we will have to accept that Xi's dominant power is cemented. Uh, so, Li Wen, now that, that the Youth League seems to be totally paralyzed or even killed by Xi Jinping, what does it mean now immediately with the Youth League out and the new setup of the Standing Committee of the Politburo for China policy? What, what do you expect to happen within the next years to come? I mean, one thing we already witnessed, it's not just like we expect them to come. It's like they, uh, the future has accelerated and, and coming right at us like the gray rhino hitting in your face. And you don't know how to dodge it, how to avoid it. Within one day after the party's congress, I have seen uh, two top universities in China establishing a research institute separ uh, separately about Xi Jinping's thought for the new era, basically to godify him. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure we will see more and more of these research institutes, so-called. So the research on Xi Jinping thoughts will cement his power for the years to come. So what do we expect from the standing committee then when we have... Uh, a leader that strong um, for world politics, but also for domestic development in China. What does it mean? A famous scholar who worked under former premier, reformist premier Zhao Ziyang, this research is in the US, this researcher is called uh, Wu Guoguang, um, and he said that there will be many factions under Xi, apparatus people want to gain more power. That's for sure. So the standing committee, all of them, will be competing to win Xi's favor. And this competition means actually something very bad for the Chinese people, Chinese society, because Xi's intention is to, you know, imitate Mao. And Mao enjoys this constant sort of class struggle. But once they, you have a great leader like that, that enjoys class struggle and fighting for power that much, um, the, the, the surround, you know, these followers of him will compete to show that they do it better.
that they would advance the will of the great leader um, further. And if you read the recent um, parties, uh, the, 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 the renewed party's constitution um, carefully, there is one very worrisome sentence newly added to it, which is to strengthen the fighting spirit and to advance the fighting skill. Fighting for what? It doesn't say. But this word of fighting or class struggle comes from Mao Zedong's book. And Mao Zedong was very much a um, fighting person uh, that likes to fight with people, political factions, and, and like to instigate fights between the different groups inside the country. And that, that resulted, in the end, a cultural evolution. What, what I think is remarkable is we're talking about the new composition of the Standing Committee is full of loyalists now. Loyalists means people who would not challenge their boss's opinion, basically. And when we see the new prime minister to come, Li Qiang uh, is the guy here, doesn't have any experience as a vice premier minister, which was normally like a rule within the last 40 years that you have uh, a term as vice premier before you uh, are elevated to become prime minister in China. That has been totally uh, deleted or has been left out in, in that decision. Uh, Li Qiang has no experience at all internationally. He took some courses at the at the party school for uh, catching up a little bit. But compared, for example, to Li Keqiang, who is a doctor in uh, economy, he doesn't have any real experience in economy on a global stage, neither on exchange on a global, on a global stage. Um, instead, what he did, he implemented the lockdown on Shanghai. He executed greatly. And when we take that as a symbol for what is going to happen in the future, we think, I, I think we need to consider that Li Qiang formally or primarily will execute the wishes of the state president, of the general secretary, Xi Jinping. I, I mean, this is, the, this is the interesting part, because when you say it, I realize that how different the Chinese perspective and the European perspective is. Because, I mean, the past decade, but generally speaking, have told us that I, if we are still expecting any dissent from within the government to Xi Jinping, it would be seen as madness or, or kind of completely out of touch by a Chinese. We don't even question that. There is no opportunity or space for any dissent under Xi Jinping. What is even worse that I'm trying to convey the message is that those who surround Xi Jinping, those who, see, who has been chosen by Xi Jinping to, um, to be in the center of power, are not only just um, obeying Xi Jinping, not just obeying, they actively, creatively, proactively to find ways to advance Xi Jinping's will, which means, for example, oh, Xi Jinping wants zero COVID policy. So let's do it in a most creative way to um, 
no matter how much it makes the people suffer to eliminate COVID in every place, every city, every town, every village. And this creativity is very deadly. It's hor horrible. As we can see all these terrible stories coming all over China, popping up from China, they lock kids, four to five year old children in kindergarten for 40 something days. Uh, just because of this lockdown policy in Xinjiang Yining city. And then they create some other outdoor sort of concentration camp in a temperature lower than 10 degrees at the moment in northwest part of China for people to be quarantined. They don't care about that life or death of people. All they want is to prove I can eliminate COVID in my province or in, under my reign. So what, what, what you're literally saying is it, it, it anyway can't get any worse. If with Li Keqiang or Li Qiang, it's, it's, you, you say it's, it's, it doesn't really make a difference, right? Um, from Li Keqiang to Li Qiang, there is a transition of unwilling, from unwilling followers and executors of the policy of Xi Jinping to the proactive polisher of Xi Jinping's. Um, uh, even they even think about uh, policies that would please the leader before the leader knew what he wants. So that's what Li Qiang's role, and Li Keqiang was the negative, uh, was the passive follower. When you have loyalists not second guessing what you do, you turn to believe that what you decide is the right thing. So you just. Turn, don't turn to anyone anymore. You decide by yourself. And no influence, uh, input from others to take important decisions on global matters or domestic matters, whatever, um, makes you prone for mistakes, right? Uh, one could have argued that Xi Jinping has been always aiming at this to eliminate any person who dared to say anything that displeased him. And, and uh, the cost of being a messenger... Uh, that carries forward things that he doesn't want to hear, carry this message to him, the cost is getting really high. So nobody wants to be the unpleasant messenger anymore. And that will greatly, even greatly distort the information that he receives um, even further, even more. So means in practical policies, China will attack Taiwan, will invade Taiwan, for example. Actually, that's not uh, the, what I worry about, uh, because I very much agree with Wu Guoguang, the Chinese researcher that I have mentioned. I very much agree that actually um, Taiwan was an excuse uh, for Xi Jinping to solidify his power within the military. Uh, but to really attack Taiwan, that means there is a significant significant cost on his credibility and also on his personal security, safety. Uh, but Taiwan has got the promise of uh, Joe Biden to, you know, to be protected by American troops. So to attack Taiwan means he will have to counter a much more powerful opponent. And that is not for his benefit at the moment. He has a much more interesting game to play within China. It is one-fifth of the world population, second biggest economy in the world. He has a lot of 
chess to play here. And Mao, that's also what Mao Zedong were most good at, was most good at, was best at. Domestic game. Domestic game, yeah. Taiwan is definitely not the priority. Not yet, at least. We experienced some protest, a bridge man, right? On Situng Bridge in, uh, in, in Beijing. Do you think that such a protest does have any effect on intellectual groups? Does it, does it spark people, uh, well, at least some people's sentiment of resistance toward what is going on? Do you think that does it have um, an effect on, on, on people who didn't dare to think in that direction so far? making their minds up now more critical. If, you, if we are analyzing the mentality of the people who live under dictatorship, like um, the examples of former, former Eastern Germany, right? Uh, people who live there, uh, ideologically, they don't have the free, they didn't have the freedom, but also economically they suffer because they, their material life was rather poor. And in China, what we see right now is that uh, China of course, had never had real freedom in ideology, political, uh, you know, opinions. But uh, there was some space in the past that you could still voice your dissent um, in, in social media, but it's, it's narrowing very quickly. Uh, it's, it's a horror scene for me to see how um, my friends in China did not dare to say anything after... I mean, uh, to, to say directly anything about what has happened in the party's Congress, but they, they only send very vague messages uh, posted on the WeChat moments. This is one thing you could see. The terror is actually um, much more present. Can you, can you um, give an example of, of what kind of, of, of uh, pictures or what messages they sent that you understand as a comment on what was happening at the Congress? Like, for example, Guotai Ming An, which means, which is actually a positive phrase called the country is peaceful, the country is um, prosperous and the people are peaceful, but with a emoji that is completely showing the opposite expression, which is like frustration or mockery. So uh, cynicism, cynicism. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and somebody would, uh, uh, people would post articles about uh, goodbye, like goodbye to the good days, goodbye to whatever, or without mentioning uh, what they are saying goodbye to, which is the time that was relatively free and prosperous. And, um, and there were people who said that, yeah, it is hard to be a human now. That means basically you have to be a dog waving your tails, right? And uh, and then there were people who, when when these uh, lone wolf protesters hand the banner, protest banner on the bridge in Beijing, uh, people were s uh, spreading a song, like reposting a song, very popular song called Gu Yongzhe. The Lonely and Brave Man, the song title, uh, in the moments, like everybody was showing, say, respect, respect, respect. And that kind of uh, very, very hidden messages of, of protest that was showing. Of course, the mood is there, but only in my circle. I tell you, Lone Wolf in China 
Uh, they die quickly. Their influence is limited. There is nobody who could achieve a public. Uh, how to say? Um, they cannot reach the public, basically, on on a large scale. Well, at least to bring what, he, any what he achieved was uh, there's he was sparking protests around the world. Basically, I mean, even in German uh, universities, there was a little protest uh, uh, that was sparked by Chinese students. I was talking to to a Hong Kong guy who said he helped the Chinese students. They were afraid, and he helped them to to arrange that protest. Uh, of course, anonymous, just a little uh, like buttons saying "dictator C" mm. or something, I, uh, and, and I other mean, the, states as well. So, I mean, this is yeah, something he achieved. Outside, outside China, maybe, but inside China, I don't see that. But the the the. Dissatisfaction, the anger, the fear, and the and the worries of of the society is already strong enough at the moment for people to complain. Whether uh, to complain everywhere, really, I mean, because people's uh, income has been greatly reduced. Like what I know is that from example, from from uh, data from Yunnan or somewhere else. Uh, another, uh, maybe Sichuan as well, that, that uh, in some areas, people's income has been reduced by one third or half uh, for, for, for earlier this year. And you can see this is not alone because everywhere with the lockdown, the economy is frozen, damaged, and this, this will be widespread. And people will, of course, feel anger about it. But whether, would, whether they would really dare to go on the streets and start a protest are we there yet is a question that has been asked for decades. And I think maybe we are going closer to that point. But I fail to see how soon. I don't see that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure, uh, not tomorrow and not the day after tomorrow. But my, my first thought was, yes, I mean, he doesn't reach a lot of people, apparently. I mean, because censorship is really quick and deletes all comments and all images from the Internet. Uh, still, he, he might have reached like several million people within a short time of period via social media, I think. And and I wonder if, you know, in such a country where where fear is reigning, um, that really people feel encouraged to start thinking more critical. But I just think that a society that has been controlled so tightly within the last years, that suddenly such a, such a glance of, of protest for some people just is the, the idea of, hey, I am not alone with my bad feelings toward this development. This is what, what, what I was thinking, if this is maybe possible. But um, yeah, as I said, not tomorrow, not the day after tomorrow, for sure. Yeah, it was anyway uh, remarkable. Yeah, I have the feeling I have the feeling. I mean, it's not that what he does is not remarkable. I totally admire what he did and or she did. I don't even know whether it's a male or female. Um, the, the thing is that uh, what are we talking about? Are we looking into the crystal ball and kind of hoping that hoping for some changes in China, the Chinese people will mobilize and start another revolution and etc. Because this kind of conversation we've been having for many decades um, and it didn't result in anything. This is one thing. And, and what is the purpose of, of this guessing and, and you know, uh, uh, blindly hoping? 
I, I somehow, after reading all the history in this dictatorship, and personally experienced the past decades of China, I somehow lost interest in in this sort of um, this line of hope. What I am more interested in nowadays is how the world can wake up to this and stop enabling a regime that is so uh, suppressive and, and obviously toxic to the democracy all around the world. Because as outsiders, as, as someone who don't have to live in that terror, you, you don't have to you know, face the fear of being uh, broken into, your house being broken into at night. And, and any kind of dissent might cost your life, your children's future and life uh, of your family and etc. It's easy to say, okay, maybe people are angry enough to stand up, but it's not easy for people who live in it. Not at all. What really matters is that um, we have witnessed how the West has been facilitating a Chinese government knowingly or without knowingly, technologi technologically and uh, uh, capital-wise and uh, uh, in every aspect, uh, believing blindly that China will be better, uh, uh, be freer, and be whatever, and now it's all debunked, right? And, and it is time to face the reality. China is now dominated by a very, very uh, narrow-minded dictator, and who, who whose education mostly consists of the very backwards Leninism. Ma uh, 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 Maoism ideology, and he wants to bring China back to that kind of society. And Chinese people have very little uh, power to resist this backslide. And so, what what makes sense for outsiders to really to 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 see is that accept the not accept the the reality. I mean, even York Vodka. <laughs> has already shown clearly his end of illusion to that regime, to that country. And what we should do right now, for example, what we should do is to stop its expansion globally. For example, stop selling the harbor of Hamburg, the share there, to China, to form a sort of united front in Europe, I mean, guided by, uh, led by, by Germany and France, uh, to counter the expansion of this, uh, this ideology into this country. Well, what we learned is this is not going to happen. Uh, China will invest in the harbor. They will buy a 24.9% uh, part of one of the terminals. And uh, so um, a little piece of... German critical infrastructure, European critical infrastructure is uh, is going to China. So uh, they have their hands in Piraeus, in Antwerpen, in Seebrugge, in Rotterdam, in Hamburg, everywhere. So basically the whole European infrastructure of of, of shipping, the harbors shipping is, is in, in half in hand of China. It's crazy. And, and, it's, uh, and it's still we're discussing, uh, oh, we have to really, you have to, like raise a loud protest and still it's going to be sold 
and or has been sold or, or it will be yeah, invested. This is this is crazy. Here, this is totally yeah, crazy. But yeah. still, and I'm, this is the, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm positive that you know the the range of coverage of that matter becomes now like a mainstream topic. You know, a lot very very often these China topics in in media coverage and perception within society in Germany in Europe is like niche topics you know this is like the chinese people some uh, not chinese people the chinese um, community or china community related people uh, the scientists industry politics whatever uh, academics now these stories are really it becomes mainstream so even people who have no relation to china at all and no interest in in in, uh, in it at all are being tipped off that there is a problem apparently and that makes it for at least for the for the next times uh, when we are discussing these things very likely that there will be Im immediately alarm flags going up and some people will raise their concerns whatever it is even if it might not be even critical infrastructure but there will be alarm flags like oh there was something last time with china and the harbor oh maybe this time is also not a good idea and this will definitely um push forward uh, the resistance within within europe and will raise the awareness of okay we have to we have to stop it here here and now immediately so i'm i'm at least even if we sell out now a little piece of the of the harbor of the terminal uh not a good thing i totally agree but still we put it on the on the we put it on the mainstream media Uh, awareness and that's and that's a really uh, important thing that's important and this is and this is the key thing uh, I think that this is a very important thing that I want to remind um, people who live in the West especially in Europe and nowadays with the way I live I very often encounter this sort of utter cynicism Utter cynical, utterly cynical attitude and say that, oh, democracy, Western democracy is no different from China. It's even worse in many senses yeah, blah, and blah, blah, blah. blah. This is this kind of blah, blah, blah. And when you compare the situation in China now and when you compare that with Europe, of course, democracy is chaotic and it is, of course, full of flaws. Like, for example, Schultz can just push through this harbor deal with the opposition of all the ministries and European Council. But we still have an opportunity to fight as people who are opposed to it yeah. in different, uh, you know, using our votes, using uh, the public media and etc. But if this happens in China, you wouldn't even have the opportunity to, to be heard. So in cases like this, I think it's very important to learn not only talking about that affair, but to really to see the difference between different systems and why it is still important for us to defend democracy. Well, having said so, um, that's a good reason to keep on uh, going with this podcast and uh, to keep people updated on uh, well, what is going on in China and how it is related to the way of life we have here in Europe or in Western liberal democracies, as you say. So, yeah, we have to defend democracies. Thank you very much for today, Liwen. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.
with chopsticks. The truth about dictatorships. A podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chanel.